Welcome to Effortless Swimming, the podcast for swimmers, triathletes, and coaches. Join Australian swim coach Brenton Ford as he reveals the latest techniques and information to improve your swimming. Let's dive right in. Welcome to episode number four of the Effortless Swimming podcast. My name is Brenton Ford, and this is the Sprinting Power episode, where we talk with Andrew Lauderstein, who's a silver and bronze Olympic medalist. He specializes in the 100 freestyle and butterfly, and we're going to talk to him about what he does in training, the number of sessions that he does, what kind of work he does in the gym for more power, the kinds of things he eats for fast recovery and to fuel his training sessions and his races. And he also touches on a very good pacing strategy for any 100-meter events. So let's cut straight to the interview. This is Andrew Lauderstein, who's an Olympic silver and bronze medalist. How did you get started as a swimmer? For me, it all started with um, just the house sports through school. So I never really did um, swimming lessons as a kid. Um, I was always able to to watch someone swim um, in a swimming lesson and then kind of go to the next lane next door and copy. Um, I had an older brother who was doing swimming lessons, but I, I've never been, I've never liked being told what to do. So mum said that swimming lessons just weren't for me. So I'd kind of pick the brains of of the swimming teachers from a side and then um, jump in and, and, and paddle up and down on my own. And then um, essentially from, from the house sports in, um, in grade four, grade five, grade six, I, I made the, um, the state team and then just kind of progressively um, up the amount of training that I was doing until um, in years eight and nine, um, I started to get a lot more serious about it. And you're also a good baseball player when you were young. And I know it was in your teenage years. I don't know. How old were you when you had to make that decision to go full-time swimming or full-time baseball? Yeah, I think it was when I was 16. Um, in 2000, the end of 2003, I beat um, Mash, Matt Welsh and um, Joshua Watson. Um, this was four months out from the Olympic trials. And I beat the two guys that were the red hot favorites to to make the olympic team and i think that was that's when it clicked that you know i was i was a pretty good swimmer and that i should start taking a lot more seriously in that in that one swim meet i dropped 4 seconds in in the 100 meters backstroke and then dropped another um 2 seconds 3 months later and and just missed the olympic team as a as a 17 year old or 16 year old by 0.2 of a second so i think it was yeah, that was year 11 when it came to the realisation that, um, hey, I'm pretty good at this swimming thing. Let's let's give it a real crack. And then I knuckled down for the next year and um, in year 12 made my first world championship team. I remember seeing that race at States when you beat Matt and Josh. And that was uh, that was just a, the, whole, the whole crowd was just in awe of how, how quickly you'd gone. And did you even expect to, to go that time? Like were you doing those times in training? Or it just no, not came out of nowhere? It was absolutely out of the blue. I was a just a regular sixteen year old um down at lawn for New Year's two days before. Um and then came back and <laughs> beat these two Olympians and um I was up on the lane road celebrating. I remember my my coach Glenn was running around on pool deck and then and then the controversy of the two guys not turning up for the medal presentation just added to the drama of it all. So um 
it was a pretty pretty magic little moment. I even can remember um, there was a there was a big photo in the in the Herald Sun of me celebrating as well. So this baby faced sixteen year old um, who who a couple of days before was just chilling out on the beach in lawn was all of a sudden in the back page of the Herald Sun. So it was it was quite a change in those couple of days. Oh, I bet that was yeah. I remember that was just an awesome race. So um, and that's sort of where it where it started, is it? When you thought I should really give this thing a crack. I think so. Yeah. When it, once you beat the, the, the swimmers of that caliber and with the Olympics just around the corner, um, yeah, you, I decided to really give it a crack and, and more so give the backstroke a, a, a try. Um, because beforehand I had been an, um, a f- more predominantly a freestyler and a butterflyer. Um, so I decided that I'd, I'd stop those two strokes for three months and see how I'd go at the backstroke. Um, and then after just missing the Olympics, I, I pursued with the backstroke for another two years. And then in 2007, after um, probably not um, making the the improve the continued improvements that I was hoping to make, I I decided in 2007 to to go back to freestyle and butterfly and 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 to um, to suss out where I am in, in the world rankings in those um, two disciplines to see what events that I thought I had the best chance at come Beijing. Um, so then in the end, I, I stopped swimming on my back and and qualified for the freestyle and the butterfly events in Beijing, and I, I think that was. Um, it was it was the right decision to to experiment in uh, 2007 because coming away from Beijing with with three medals in freestyle and butterfly, um, yeah, it was it was obviously the right choice. And you got you got bronze in that hundred butterfly behind Phelps and Cavage. So what what was it like swimming that that final? Because like I mean, there was such a a big race because that was the one where um, Phelps just touched out Cavage and. Um, you know, being was it your first Olympics and uh, yeah, first Olympics, yeah, first Olympics and only individual event, and 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 what a spectacle it was! I was actually involved in in Phelps's first and seventh and eighth gold medals, so um, it was a pretty amazing experience the whole Beijing, but um, that 100 meter butterfly final just just thinking about it now, it's just giving me goosebumps. Um, I can't remember a hell of a lot about the race except that um, when I was up on the blocks and you hear Michael Phelps do his trademark um, kind of back slap, I can just remember my legs absolutely trembling. Um, I felt like I was going to fall in. I was shaking so much. And then, <laughs> and then once, that, once that gun went and I was in the water, it was, um, it was automatic. So it, I, think, I think that's what it comes back down to is all that training that I'd done in the past that no matter how nervous you are, once you get in, if you've done the work in the past, um, the racing comes automatically, and that's and that's such an amazing feeling when you've when you've given everything you can in training, and that when you come to racing, that's the easy part. Yeah, that's right. It's all the hard work in training, isn't it? And then racing's kind of the reward that you get for doing all that hard work. Exactly, and and that's and that's what um, my parents often said about. That's the reason why I chose swimming is because um, you put in the hard work at training, and it, and then you go and compete in a race, and you get given a time. Um, 
and that and that and that's reliant on yourself. Um, you know, there's no um, giving off a quick handball to someone else who can either kick the goal or kick the behind. It's um, it's all up to you and and the preparations that you've you've put in in the past. Um, you know, and and from from that time that you're given in that race, I guess the thing that I liked is you can either continue to do the same thing or make changes um, to hopefully improve you for the next time that you step up and race. You've recently moved to Melbourne Vic Centre with with Ian Pope and what's your training schedule look like now in terms of how many swim sessions, how many gym sessions are you doing and anything else that you're doing outside the pool? Yeah, at, at the moment I'm doing um, a change between seven, eight and nine pool sessions um, depending on pretty much how I'm feeling. Um, when I was in Sydney, I was um, – so I've, I've been in Melbourne for eight, six or seven months now and um, – I made the move because I, I kind of overtrained myself in Sydney. I was just um, going above and beyond what I was supposed to be doing. Um, so it was kind of the the move back home to be with my parents was more about um, balance and going back to basics. And and so at the moment I'm just trying to listen to my body and um, if I can get through um, the eight or nine pool sessions, I will. But if I need to take one off and recover to come back for the next pool session fresher and faster, I will. Um, so, yeah, so that's the seven, eight or nine pool sessions depending on feel. And then I'm doing um, four gym sessions a week. Um, they're shorter than what they were in the past. Um, where so now I'm going, um, kind of one one gym sessions upper body, the next one's legs and core, and then one upper body, the next one legs and core. So I'm not I'm not hanging around the gym mucking around. It's um, when I'm in there, it's it's for never more than an hour, and it's um, very specific to to the upper body and to the lower body. So my whole body isn't always fatigued when I'm rolling into that next session. Um, and then apart from that, it's just the the recovery type things. Um, I, I, just, I see a Cairo once every fortnight and I get a weekly massage and weekly physio. And then um, we're lucky enough to have the the ice baths at the Victorian Institute of Sport just across the road from training. So I try and um, use the, the cold um, ice baths twice a week as well. And when you're in the gym, is it more heavy weights, less reps kind of work or is it- do you go the other way? Um, at right now, I'm I'm going um, low reps and heavy weights leading into the meet, so working a little bit more on the power. Um, but earlier on in the season, I was doing um, up to you know four or five sets of twelve reps. So I guess um, I, I've left that up to the the gym instructor to work out the periodization more of the the gym um but at, yeah definitely at this stage I'm, I'm working a lot more of the power and trying to be explosive with a little bit of contrast training as well so so doing going for some heavy squats into some squat jumps um and then also um kind of in the upper body um from like a bench press into um push-ups with claps so really working that um the the strength and then um contrasting that with the the explosive power Oh, that's good. And and in terms of swimming training, what's what do you reckon is the hardest set that you've ever done in the pool? The hardest set I've ever done. I think mentally for me, the hardest set that I've ever done. I probably we used to do ten four hundreds every Monday morning, and I reckon I did that. I started training with Glenn Baker in Melbourne when I was thirteen or fourteen, and I left him when I was twenty one. So seven years. 
and every Monday morning was ten four hundreds. Um, that I would say is my most dread set. <laughs> Seven <laughs> so, years you did that. Yeah. Wow. That's most yeah, most Monday mornings would be the ten four hundreds. Yeah, and that was the session. That was the session that Glenn would go and have a sleep in too. So <laughs> he'd write ten four hundreds up on the board and then walk away and have a nap. <laughs> so I bet you're glad you've changed your Monday morning sets. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> um, and your your freestyle, you I don't know if you were doing straight arm freestyle before, but now you're. You're doing only straight arm freestyle as opposed to bent arm. Yeah. What's the advantage of that for you, and why have you chosen that type of freestyle? Um, I started probably doing free um, straight arm freestyle two or three years ago. Um, I actually I was doing straight arm freestyle in Beijing as well. It was, it was more the fact that I was probably concentrating too much on bending my arms, and I wasn't able to get them over and get my rating up high enough. Um. So it was more of a freedom thing, and then also the elasticity of that I was able to create that that kind of whipping effect, like through the accelerating the end part of my pull, um, and then really whipping my arm over. Um, to be honest, I don't think that much about um, how straight they are or where and uh, kind of how high they are above the water either. Um, I'm more focused on creating like a, a constant um, circle of power with my catch in the water. So when one when one arm's then exiting the water for the recovery phase that I'm already on to the catch in on the other arm and then and then when I am entering out the front that it is um, in the right position and that I'm getting on the catch um, really quickly. So in regards to what they're doing above the water, it, it's always a surprise as to how straight they are when I see <laughs> video footage of me swimming above the water because I definitely don't feel like they're that straight to me. <laughs> so your focus is, is pretty much just on what they're doing with the pool and the timing. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, pull and timing. And uh, and what about your butterfly? What are the things that you concentrate on for your technique-wise when you're training and when you're racing? Mm, for, for me, my best swims are when I'm relaxed um, and my timing's on. So for me, it's it's the timing of the kick. Um, often when my butterfly's not on, I'm trying too hard with my kick. Um, so the, the, the kick action for me is more about just um, it's not so much creating a whole lot of power out of my kick. It's, it's more of just um, helping me maintain my rhythm and helping me get my hips up to, to get onto that catch at the front of the stroke. Um, so having for me, the, the two even kicks as well is another thing that I, I focus on. Um, so the, the one kick when my hands enter and then the other kick as my hands are entering, keeping them the same size and of um and really working the up kick as well. Mm. And and you're a sprinter, so you're you're mostly doing your fifties and your hundreds. So what? How do you pace your hundreds? Um, essentially, I um my my best swim. Um, going off Beijing. Um, my whole race plan was just don't try. Um, I I know that as soon as I start to force my stroke, I get stiff across the shoulders and um and just and and start to rip at the water and not get my catch so um for me it's it's that relaxed rhythm um with really good power and and hold out the front um so for me my my, um goal is to essentially hold a 51 stroke rate the whole race um um so not really changing too much throughout the race with not a whole lot of a race plan for me it's it's um 
kind of building into the wall at the 50 and then and then setting up that rhythm off the turn and then holding it all the way through to the end. Mm. Oh, that's good. And then uh then in terms of your diet, what do you what do you typically eat? Do you tend to eat pretty well or do you just let it, you know, get Yeah, it? yeah. That that's one thing that I've definitely um improved since I've moved back to Melbourne and the luxury of living with mum. Um, and her being able to do all the shopping and the cooking, <laughs> um, I've been I've been really good at um, you know just really good fresh um, fruit and veggies and meat. Really, that's um, pretty much my staple diet at the moment. Um, anything that's not not in a package, I'm I'm pretty happy to eat. I think um, the the less that my food's being tampered with, the better. So um, you know, trying to eat the free range chicken and and organic where possible. So just keeping everything healthy, and um, that was one thing that um also led to me getting a little bit sick was that I was um I probably wasn't fueling my body as well as I should have. I was trying to lose a bit of weight, so I wasn't I wasn't fueling myself at the right times. I I was um kind of not eating before training because I thought that was going to help me lose weight. Whereas now I'm, I'm, I tailor kind of the way, the amount that I eat around my training sessions. So, um, like when I'm doing a double, um, double pool in a gym in the, in the one day, I'm really getting it, making sure I'm getting enough, um, protein and carbs in that day. And then on, on the, the days where I'm not doing as much work, probably cutting back a little bit on the amount of food that I'm eating. So, that that's the nutrition side for me is definitely an area that I have improved and something that um, I'm actually pretty um, stringent with. Um, I, I've really cut back on, you know, I've, I've found out that I'm <clears throat> lactose intolerant, so I'm, I'm not um, having any dairy and then also um, I've, I've cut back a fair bit on the, the amount of gluten that I'm having as well because I've, I've I had a DNA test and they figured out that, um, you know, the amount of carbohydrates and, um, starchy type foods I don't really need in my diet, so I can survive on a bit more of a Mediterranean style diet of, um, you know, the the meats, the seafood, and veggies. Mm. And what about supplements? Do you have protein powder after gym or training or anything like that? Yeah, I I, I use a Masashi um, protein powder after the. Um, gym sessions and then also the harder sessions in the pool and then also um, supplement a little bit of um, branch chain amino acids and I've also um, doing some beta alanine loading as well um, leading into trials and then I'm still experimenting with bicarb loading um, which I'll do which I'll trial again at Victorian State Championships but um, in the past that's upset my guts a little bit so um, I'm trying it trialing a different um, supplementation plan with the bicarb this time around. So, yeah, I, I dabble in a few bits and pieces supplementation-wise. I, I remember hearing from um, one of the girls at the VIS about the bicarb soda and it's it's a lot of bicarb soda that you need to take, isn't it, to to get the effect? Yeah, the, the supplementation plan that I'm trialing this time around is three hours out from my race, I'll take um, 11 tablets, two, two hours out, I'll take another 11 tablets and then an hour out, an hour out I'll take another 10 tablets. Um, I'm not sure exactly how much bicarb but when you're having 32 tablets or whatever, it's a, <laughs> it's a lot of tablets to be got. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, um, have you have you found it's made a difference, or are you still waiting to see the results of it? 
Yeah, I'm still waiting to see the results of it, but there's there's scientific proof that you know it does something um, of benefit. And and for me, even if it is a bit of a placebo effect, I'm going to do whatever I can to to um, to hold on at the end of that race come trials. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. You may as well try try everything, and even if it is the placebo effect, you're still getting the benefit there. So that's um, that's exactly about it. What about after swimming? Do you know what your plans are once you finish up with swimming? Uh, well, at this stage, I've, I've started doing some work with the swimwear brand Engine. Um, so I've started um, helping out with events and um, a little bit of product development with Engine. Um, and, that, and that's one of my passions away from the pool is, is swimming and um, at swimwear brand in Engine. Um, so um, I know that I, I want to do some traveling where I'm not, um, going to and from a hotel to a black line, um, so to really, really get out and um, possibly travel for a good six months, um, and then also the other, the other passion that I've got outside of the pool is um, coffee and cafes. So, potentially opening um, a cafe with um, another couple of swimmers, which is somewhere down track, but that's a that's something that sounds like a lot of fun and that um, something I can see myself doing for the rest of my life. Oh, sounds good. Well, um, thanks very much for yeah being on the call with me and um, and giving all these great tips because I know I've got a lot out of it and I've no doubt everyone who listens to it will be able to get a lot out of it too. So good luck for Olympic trials and I'll see you on the weekend at States and uh, it's been really yeah. good chatting with you. Beautiful. Thanks, Brendan. Cool. Thanks, mate. See you soon. Let's recap on some of the things that Andrew mentioned. The first one is swim to how you feel. So he said that he does seven, eight, or nine sessions a week depending on how his body's feeling. So if he's had a hard week and he's not able to back up the next session, he'll take one or two sessions off that week, which I think is a really good way to go about your training because if you're going to go to a swim session and you're just going to train rubbish, then you may as well just take it off, recover, and just come back to the next session ready to go. He also mentioned his racing strategy for the 50s and 100s is to not try. So what he means by that is not to go out there and swim easy, it's to go out there and relax and just let your body do its thing that you've been training for. If you try and force yourself to swim fast, that's when you stiffen up and your muscles are tense and you're not able to get that relaxed flow and rhythm that you'd normally have if you go out there and relax in a race. He also talked about contrast training in the gym where he'll do some heavy exercises, whether that's deadlifts or Uh, something with the arms, whether it might be bench press, and then he'll go straight into a lighter exercise. So say if he's doing bench press, he'll do some heavy weights, and then he'll go straight into push-ups with a clap. And that's a good way to get that little bit more from each of your exercises. He also talked about eating well, and the less that his food's been handled, the better. So he said that prior to this year, he was not really eating much before he would uh, train so he didn't have the fuel to keep his body going because he thought it would help him lose weight but you need to have that fuel available for your body to use during a training session or it's going to be very difficult for you to get your good times in training and get the benefit from it so if you can eat just a little bit enough to fuel yourself for that session then that's the best way to go he also talked about racing is the only benchmark so you can do as good a times as you want in training but the only real benchmark comes down to racing So it's a good indication of where you're at and what you might need to work on after you finish racing. This has been the Sprinting Power episode of the Effortless Swimming Podcast. 
Thanks again for joining me. We'll be back next week with another guest talking about sprinting. And don't forget to go to the iTunes store and rate the podcast and leave a comment if you like. And we will see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us on the Effortless Swimming Podcast. To get transcriptions, bonus videos, and to be the first to hear about new episodes, go to swimmingpodcast.com. 